Hello, and welcome to the Freedom Challenge online podcast. Here at the Freedom Challenge, we strive to do good by helping enslaved women and children to do more than you ever thought physically possible and to do it together by connecting women with a heart for a hurting world. We hope you enjoy your time being informed and encouraged with host Tracy Doherty and our amazing guests. So let's get ready and join Tracy for this week's episode. Welcome back to the Freedom Challenge online podcast. This is your host, Tracy Doherty. How are we in the month of May? And not only are we in the month of May, it is absolutely gorgeous outside. I was just sitting out on my brand new patio, taking in the beauty and thought, this makes me want to do a Freedom Challenge. I'm so glad that we have so many regional challenges coming up this year. And for anyone who wants to know more about those, you know where to find it. It's in the website and in the show notes. Encourage you to check it out. It's a beautiful time to get ready for a challenge. And this month on the podcast, we are celebrating mamas, mothers, mommies, however you want to put it, moms. I'm a mom of three and a son-in-law, going to be a grandma, and this has been one of my very favorite roles in life. The value and the essence of the female presence in the world. Ah, the nurturance of a mother wonderfully reflects the nature of God. And we want to highlight those stories this month. So we get to have some of our Freedom Challenge sisters to share their stories. And as you know, we are continuing in the journey this year, 2022, look at what the Lord has done. As we look at a decade of the Freedom Challenge, I still, every time I say it, I just have this sense of wonder, of remembering, look at what the Lord has done. And so the guests that we're going to be bringing on this month are going to be talking about their journey in motherhood and how it has been intertwined and really catapulted or even involved the Freedom Challenge. So today I have the privilege of hearing, we have the privilege of hearing from a Freedom sister. Her name is Holly Harris. I have never met Holly But I'll let you know that she was on a Zoom meeting that I had with a handful of other women who had done the original Kilimanjaro hike. And I was just captivated by her energy, her heart. You'll see that in just a moment. Her beautiful Southern charm and just the feminine presence that she holds. So welcome to the podcast, Holly. And again, this will just be really one of our first meaningful conversations. So if you would introduce yourself, give us a little snapshot of your life. Thanks for inviting me to be a part of this podcast. And thank you for your sweet words already. Um, Of course, as you said, my name is Holly Harris. And uh, I guess first I want to say that I'm a wife and a mom. And some of the things that you just said about being a mother, um, I do feel that is my most significant Mm. role. Um, and I have, I have three kids. Um, I've been married for about 28 years to the same Sean and I have three kids, Callie, who's now 22. So she's kind of an adult kid. She just graduated college. Jet, who is 20, he's currently in college at the Air Force Academy and then Piper, who is seven. Um, and being a mom, whether it's 
little kids or adult kids is, um, like you said, it's a very significant role, very challenging role, but one that I would never, ever, ever want to trade. Mm, I agree with that. We're kind of on the same trajectory. I've been married 30 years this year. So like we were kind of in the same time orbit. My children a little bit older, but hey, congratulations on a college grad. And I, we always like to say, you know, they're officially launched when they're off your payroll. So I don't know how that's going with your adult children, but that's kind of how we measure it. Like, hey, they are launched into their adulthood when they are off your phone plan. So, right. <laughs> <laughs> And then you also talked a little bit about what you do vac- vocationally. We had a little chat about that even before we started recording. Tell us a little bit about that. Yes, I am. I work part-time. I'm homeschooling my seven-year-old. Um, again, I went through the homeschooling process with my older two. And mm. so here we go again. I'm not sure I'm as good as it, at it now as I was a few years ago. But um, I also teach group fitness and am a personal trainer. Yeah. And where are you calling in from very specifically? I'm gray. Anyone know where that is? It's in East Tennessee, up in the tip of Tennessee. Mm, Love it. Well, I think it's so um, apropos what I say that you are a fitness teacher and encourager and coach. And it seems like if that was always in you, it might have been part of the reason, I don't know, that you said yes to the original Kilimanjaro climb, but we are celebrating 10 years. So that means 10 years ago in February, 2012, you were amongst a handful of women, not even a handful. It was a a big handful of women who took that journey. So how did that come about? Share with us a little bit about it. Well, you would think that it was because of what I do, but it absolutely was not. Had nothing to do with that at all. Mm. Um, I, and, I, and I truly see it as as a God thing. I, we had a new pastor in my church, and he he had told me that he wanted me to meet a lady, and he had told me about this lady that had the opportunity to to help write a rep- proposal for this freedom climb. I had no clue what he was talking about. And I asked him, you know, well, why, why were you thinking about me? Why do you want me to meet this lady? He said, I don't know. I just want you to meet her. But new pastor, I don't know him well. So, mm-hmm. of course, as you know, as a, a Jesus follower, you're trying to find out where, what's going on here. So in my own time, I kind of looked up this freedom climb. I found it online. You know, I'm looking up, find Operation Mobilization and um, start to read about this freedom climb. And I see, you know, that it's going to be in Africa and it's going to be on Mount Kilimanjaro. But then I also see that the registration is closed. Now I wasn't interested in climbing. That's not anything I do. Don't love to to, uh, sleep in tents or, you know, the bugs and all that stuff. Even though I'm pretty physically fit, those aren't things that I desire to do. So I was kind of relieved. I guess I would say that the registration was closed. So I was like, okay, I kept reading how you could support other climbers. And I'm like, he must want our church or me to head up something to support her. So that was the direction I was kind of thinking. So he, Saria came to our church, her and her husband, um, as missionaries to, to speak with us about some different things. But he set up a lunch for us to eat with her. And I sat down and this is all on my mind because I'm trying to figure out how God's working. And I'm like, Saria, I hear you're doing this climb and, and how can I help you? 
And the first thing she said is, why don't you climb? Mm-hmm. And the first thing I thought was, well, number one, <laughs> the registration mm-hmm. is closed. Um, but, uh, and that's what I said. I said, no, you know, the registration is closed. I I was just going to help you as a climber. And she said, no, I I think you should climb. Mm -hmm. And so that kind of hit me. Um, and so she was coming back a little later to, um, to speak at our church a little later that night. And she said, I tell you what, why don't you go home and pray about it? And then let me know tonight if you would like to climb Mount Kilimanjaro. So I left there, you know, really kind of heavy hearted, like what? This is not what I was expecting. I don't understand this. <laughs> Went home, did did a little more research on all of this. And um, I, I, I looked up human trafficking. I looked up sex trafficking. And, and honestly, the topic of, of sex and trafficking was uncomfortable to me. And I just was appalled by the first few um, things that I read. And I just felt like God tell me, you know, I was like, I don't know anything about this. And I just felt like God told me, yeah, no, you don't, but you're going to learn and you're going to tell a lot of other people. And that hit me pretty hard. And then I started to think about it and pray about it a little more. Now you have to understand this is just within a few hours. And I just felt like if I say no to this, I feel like I'm saying no to the Lord because who else has had the opportunity to meet this woman who helped write the proposal, who says she can get me on the mountain mm-hmm. after the registration is closed. It's a done deal. Mm-hmm. And I, I just felt like if I said no, that I was saying no to God. And so without being able to explain it, I go back to church that evening and I said, Saria, if you can get me on that mountain, I'll go. But the little bit that you don't know is that this was in the late fall of 2011. Mm-hmm. The climb, we would leave for the climb in January, early January mm. of 2012. So I had two and a half months to wrap my head around this. Um, but she got me on the mountain and, and, and two and a half months later, I summited Mount Kilimanjaro. What a fascinating story. Like it feels like a, a Selah moment. And that is to pause and calmly think about all that transpired. I have met Saria once. It was early on, but I hear often her name so intertwined with Kathy, with what God was doing. And to hear how all this went down and imagining the invitation, but also even greater than that, your yes. And then all that came post Kilimanjaro so much. I I would love to one day have Saria be interviewed on this podcast because she really does have so much to do with um, the story. So mm, yes, um, I would enjoy hearing maybe one of your most vibrant memories or experiences 10 years ago. It could be, I mean, this, this one is big. It's the moment that you said yes to more than you ever knew that you were saying yes to. And then maybe so a vibrant memory or story, either preceding or during one that just kind of holds in your heart as a God experience for you. Well, that's, that's easy for me to answer because it, I'll, I'll never forget. And a lot of things, you know, I forgot. And I, as I was looking at pictures and looking back at pictures, like, Oh, I remember that. Oh, I remember that. But this particular moment was one I'll never forget. I think about it a lot. Um, 
for whatever reason, the last bit of the climb, the actual summit, they start, they started at midnight in mm. the dark. Um, and it was very cold. And at this point you're, you're pretty high and you've got a, we had a few days under our belt. So already tired, already having the headaches, already experiencing the, um, altitude. <laughs> and, uh, but we get up in the dark and we put a little headlamps on and we start this climb. Well, there were a lot of women there were several teams mm-hmm. and it was very slow. I, I cannot explain that enough Mm-mm. that this part of the climb was very slow. It was very cold. It was very dark and I was exhausted. I was done. I was a little bit nauseous, had a horrible headache and I, I just wanted to go home. I remember thinking, I just want this to be over. I'm mm-hmm. done. <laughs> And, um, I kept thinking, you know, if it, if the sun would just come up, if it would just be day, I think if it would just be day, I could do this, you know, it would be better. And I kept turning around to, and, and I, I remember this, I just kept turning around to look at the, the sky to see is the sun coming up? It's the sun coming up. And when I think about that, I don't know why I turned around because I have no idea where I was and what position I was in. So who knows where the sun was going to come up anyway. Mm-hmm. But in those moments, um, I remember at times, I mean, people, people would just, some of the ladies would just stop, you know, they would just stop walking and then we would stop. And I just wanted to keep moving because it was so cold, but I would just put my, my head down on my, my hiking poles and just rest my head for just a minute. And I remember thinking, wow, you know, these people that we're climbing for these women, these children, Many of them, especially those caught in sex trafficking, the night is their most miserable time. Mm. That's, you know, that's the darkest moments. That's what they dread. These are the darkest moments. And night after night after night, they've got to withstand things that are unimaginable. And I thought about that. And I thought, you know what? I've got a little more time and I'm going to be done. This misery for me is over. I know when that's going to happen. But for these women and children, they they just want the day. You know, they mm. just want the day, maybe a break for a little bit. And I started thinking about that and realizing, you know, this is why we're climbing. We're climbing for the freedom of these women and children. It was after that thought that I just looked behind over my shoulder again. And there was this tiny little mm. line across the horizon of bright orange. And it was just like, wow, the sun is coming up. And I'll never, ever forget that. That's just a gorgeous image that you've painted. I could find I, I find myself imagining every step. And I myself will be on this challenge in October. And I know that I will think about what you explained to me. I know that I will think about that. It's interesting how imagery, parables, bring us into the place where we can, it's almost like an intercessory prayer where we're experiencing something in our physical, like our embodied personhood in a way that almost becomes a prayer. And somehow when I listen to you talk about this, it's almost like, you know, your steps matter, your prayers matter, but the symbolism of what you were doing and its connection to real people was really the fuel that got you where you needed to go. 
Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to be thinking about this. The whole time you're, you know, you realize this, this is a, this is something we're doing for others. This is something God wants us to do, but why and how and, and why, how does this matter? Mm-hmm. But it's, it's moments like that, that you realize that he's mm-hmm. kind of showing you exactly why that matters. Yeah. And, and to, to your point here, I often think about the exploitation of vulnerability the disempowerment of human beings, someone else taking the God-given right and ability to think, feel, and choose in your own autonomy. That's the ultimate disempowerment. And when you, just as you talked about, use your body and you choose to be empowered on behalf of the disempowered, it's almost like there's this exchange you know, you're disempowered physically and I'm empowered physically with, I'm choosing, I'm giving my emotion and my thinking to what is happening in the world. And it's, it's su- such the antithesis, the opposite, the juxtaposition of what we're doing that it really resonates in, in the core, I believe in the women who have done it, but as you shared as this real symbolic gesture of intercessory prayer. It, it, it reminds me of that living sacrifice kind of giving truly. Mm -hmm. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So I know for certain that freedom challenge and this experience very much expanded your worldview. It really helped form what biblical justice was in a, in a, in a deeper level, perhaps might I say, and you could correct me if I'm wrong at, um, kind of an accelerated pace because this experience impacted your life during, but also post and really in your, in the realm of your motherhood. And because Mm -hmm. it's mother's day, I would be interested in hearing you just speak into that whole piece your worldview expansion, biblical justice, and then how it intersected with your mothering. Well, you know, after we came down off of the mountain, we kind of recapped everything. And I I remember someone there, and I I don't know who it was, said, you know, you, you go up this mountain, one woman, you come down this mountain, another woman. And um, I thought about that a lot. And I thought, you know, what, what am I going to take away from this? How am I going to help with this? And um, one way was, you know, I thought about my own child. I had an 11 year old blonde hair, blue eyed little girl at the time. And and I knew I needed to educate her about the horrors of, of sex trafficking and human trafficking. And I wanted her to be um, prepared for, uh, you know, what's out there. Don't I didn't want her eyes closed to what, what the world Mm -hmm. has, you know, the evils of Mm -hmm. the world. So, and my son as well, he was 10 at the time. And, um, I just didn't want to keep from them. You know, I realized, Hey, there's a lot of evil out there that I've even protected myself from. And I want these children to be, you know, to be aware of that, to be prayerful also for the people that are involved or the people that are hurting because of this. Um, but I also knew that 
I maybe didn't have the resources to travel to other countries and to to do some of the things that needed to be done where where this is bad in other countries where this sex trafficking, human trafficking may be in other countries or other mm-hmm. places or even other big cities in the United States. But I knew that there was a problem right where I lived. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to do the research and to do the education locally. Um, so as I came back off that mountain, I continued to you know, speak at different churches and say, hey, do you know what is going on here? Do you know the statistics? Do you know this is what's going on in my city, in our city? But I also had a conference. I had a conference with um, police and city leaders and, and different things like that. Um, just to start to educate our area about what's going on, because it's kind of a closed topic, a hush-hush kind of thing. Then at the same time, we started doing ministry in our our city um, in uh, a strip club and in an area of our city that's known for prostitution. Mm. And that really opened my eyes uh, to a lot of things, you know, just a lot of evil. Yeah. Uh, But it also... I, I, I was able to develop some relationships with the police in our area, but also with some prostitutes in our area. Mm-hmm. Um, and during that time, I befriended um, a woman. And, um, well, I'll go ahead and say that the, the greatest impact on my motherhood journey, other than what, what I taught and how I helped my kids that I currently had, was I believe the reason God called me to the mountain, you know, I always wondered why, why is it, why is it, why is it, yeah. is I met a lady who at the time she was a prostitute, was not pregnant, but during our involvement became pregnant. And now the child that she birthed is my third child, is my mm. Piper who is seven now. Um, wow. So as I'm ministering on the street with these, these prostitutes, this particular woman, it was an opportunity um, with the police and some other things for us to help her. And in trying to help her, um, I developed a relationship with her and um, she ended up not being able to keep this child. She had to go to jail. I kept the child for a period of time. Um, but she just, she couldn't keep the child. None of this was expected. We uh, we weren't planning to adopt. We weren't planning to foster, but everything just kind of happened. And um, now we have a third child and I can't imagine it any other way. And when I look back on the thread of the freedom climb and all mm. the things that I did and how things went into place and how I met certain people, I realized that that was God's way of taking care of this one little girl um, mm. to give her a home and give her a family Mm. It so it really does to this beautiful story that you're honoring us to hear about Sweet Piper. It really mm-hmm. does take that huge statistic that we hear and brings it down to an individual face and name. Right. And how right. God, you know, biblical justice it, it boils down to that individual loved image bearer Piper and God's plan to set her in a home that would foster raise up and help her be what God has for her in her life. And I'm sure that the yes of that journey created all kinds of 
changes and expansions of worldviews and all of that. And to, to hear that you're sitting right in the middle of the, of the beauty of that story of Piper's life is really, you know, just, it's awe-inspiring. It really is. Yeah. I think about the, just even this verbiage that this was part of the mountain you were climbing that would bring you to Piper. Right. And, and even, you know, as we're talking about, you know, expanded worldview and, and a biblical justice and thinking about how often, even in prostitution in this world that you are, you know, that you put yourself in the way that, you know, these women in those spaces are so often there from their own pain. And for so many years, um, it wasn't seen that way. It was just seen more as, well, you've chosen this life without having a lens or an understanding to the whole beginnings and how that arrived there and um, the immense amount of exploitation of vulnerability. But you you put yourself, instead of like moving away, you actually put yourself in the middle of it, as Jesus often does, so that you could make yourself accessible to be his hands and his feet. I mean, what was that, that, that whole experience? Well, it was tough. It was yeah. a tough time. I, I have to admit, I've kept myself in a little bit of a naive bubble. Um, mm-hmm. And so the, the, the freedom challenge ha- had mm-hmm. brought me, has brought me out of that bubble in learning, you know, what's really going on out there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It, but but what I, I learned, what I was learning about people coercing other people yeah. to do things they may not want to do, I saw it firsthand. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the strip clubs that we would go to weekly, mm-hmm. we would go to these strip clubs weekly and take food yeah. to the ladies that, you know, worked there at the strip club. The strip club was owned by women. Mm-hmm which is interesting. Yeah. But they would tell us, they would tell us, you know, these women can't do anything else. So you knew that, that not only were they telling us that they were telling those women that. Yeah. And so we were able to, you know, feed into them, not only with, with actual physical food, but also trying to, to help them find, you know, better things to do and realize there was more worth to their life. And for the first time I was experiencing people in this world that their minds have been blocked to thinking they're only worth so much. And when you can tell them how much they're worth to Jesus, um, that makes a big difference in people's lives. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes we get so focused on our own lives, on our own walk with the Lord, that we forget that there's a lot of people out there that are just, they're really Mm -hmm. pushed in other directions and they don't understand and they don't have the wisdom and they don't feel loved. And that is a real thing. That is a real, real thing. And it takes us as believers to love on them, even in their yuckiest places Mm -hmm. for them to realize how loved they really are. Yes. To see that they have not yet discovered their voice. They have one. To see that they already have dignity and significance. We're affirming it. And what is remarkable about what you're sharing with us, with me, is that in response to this experience, to this horrifying knowledge about modern day slavery in all of its forms, coming through prostitution, coming through just all the different ways that it shows up in the world, 
that instead of turning your face away from it and saying, this is too overwhelming, I can't tackle it, you are able to turn toward and walk toward the pain with courage that the Holy Spirit gave you. And he met you with what you needed in those moments to be present to others' pain, but also to be a change agent in one little girl's life. And I'm sure many, many others because of that story. It's, it's um, a testimony to be told. Is there anything else you want to say into this particular piece about just your journey of motherhood and this whole area of biblical justice? And is there anything else that you feel that you would want to share about that? I think about my big kids. You know, I define my kids mm-hmm. as my big kids and my little kid. And I, I think about my big kids and how how all of this impacted them as well. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and maybe I, maybe all of that hasn't unraveled, but at the same time, I see in them that love that they have for their little sister that has spilt over into looking out into the world and knowing. And we were able to talk about this as they were going through their high school years, because that's where they were mm-hmm. really, well, my son actually was middle school and then into high school. You know, Jet, think about Piper. Think about her mom. Think about that situation. You don't know what that person in the seat next to you at school, because even though I homeschooled, they eventually did mainstream into um, public school. Think about what that person sitting next to you, you don't know what they're going through. And I think that was a major impact in both my son and my daughter's life as they looked at other people, you know, as they look at other people now, we don't always know the story, the person sitting next to you. Mm. And isn't that one of the beautiful things about being a mother is that the decisions that we make or the way that we continue growing the way that we allow God to shape a bigger worldview impacts everything in our ecosystem, mm. which as mothers, hugely are our children. And so your your older, your big kids, as you <laughs> stated, watching your heart open to and then responding with their hearts open to what empathic compassion-driven individuals in a world that is so often depleted of Mm -hmm. that in other human beings, you got to, you know, bring your kids on the journey. And I'm I'm certain many others in your influence that have watched and felt inspired or provoked or convicted based on their own, maybe sometimes, you know, cold attitude toward what's going on in the world around them. So your mothering allowed this shaping of your older children. Yeah. It's beautiful. Now looking back, you know, it, it, it seems, you know, people always say, Oh, you know, Piper is so blessed. And as we look back, as we think about it, Piper blessed us, you know, the Lord blessed mm. us with Piper. Um, so it's just it's just all a lot to think about. So when when you th- say it the way that you're saying it, and and how you know people were impacted, and and maybe all that happened, and if so, to God be the glory. But as we look at it now, we've got this little blessing that we never 
ever expected. So, I mean, God just, he Mm. just makes everything beautiful. Mm. That she, she was fit right in your home, clicked into place and has blessed every person in that home environment. Mm. Yes. I imagine there's a whole story also connected with your, you know, your spouse and Sean and, and how he wrapped into this. Maybe you want to say a few minutes about that before we move on to the final question. Yes. Um, and forgive me, I am a very submissive wife on most things. Well, on everything. <laughs> but I, when we go back to those few hours <laughs> that I had to decide if I was going to do this climb or not, that I was prayerfully seeking the Lord's knowledge, Sean was not here. <laughs> he, he found out that I was going to do this climb the same time Saria did. <laughs> so you'll have oh, to forgive boy. me there. Also, when I agreed, you know, I got a phone call from the police department that says, you know, you've been working with this lady, this baby who is, you know, five weeks old right now. She's not going to be able to keep her. Would you be able to keep this child for an undetermined amount of time? Mm-hmm. I also wasn't able <laughs> to talk to my husband, oh. <laughs> but yet biblically was thinking about orphans and widows and things like that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, absolutely, you know. Absolutely. Then I get off the phone and I call my husband. I'm like, don't be mad at me. (laughs) But I will say in all of that, Sean has been very supportive and even just, although it would have been nice to be in on this planning process, Sean would say, I am so thankful that you listened Mm -hmm. to where you felt God was leading. Sounds like an awful amount of unity just in your relationship that it, it's something about the gospel of Jesus Christ and his heart that James true and undefiled religion is this to visit widows and orphans in their distress. When that's in the middle of a marriage and that's in the middle of a partnership and unity, it, it feels like there, there's already a sinking of heart on these kinds of matters it, Exactly that, that have ease. And it sounds like that is what happened in your case. Exactly. You know, I knew that these were big decisions, but I also knew for sure that God was in on this. And I knew that Sean would respond well to that. <laughs> you know, <laughs> when his face was white a couple yeah. of times, but quickly would color would come back in and be like, okay, the Lord uh, is in on this. The, the, I am in on it too. <laughs> uh, those are some big moments to hear. You know, your wife is going to go climb Kilimanjaro and our world is going to change forever for the good with this dear Piper coming mm-hmm. in yes. to your home. That's that's <laughs> really fun to think about just how all that played out. Well, I have fine, one final question for you. And maybe you've answered bits and pieces just by talking with me. But how would you encourage mothers, specifically mothers and women advocating for girls and, and other women in this human trafficking space? Like what, what thoughts or encouragement would you bring for that role with mothers advocating? You know, I think number one, um, is just when I did the, did the research, I was appalled at what I did not know. So I think as a mother, Mm -hmm. 
knowing, being, be knowing what's going on in the world around you, um, in your city, in your state, in your country. Um, but sharing that with your kids and being open and honest about real world issues um, across the globe. I, I just think that's very important as a mother and, and would encourage mothers to be open and honest about those things with their children. Because as we, we've talked about through this podcast is, you know, I feel like that shapes them, their worldview um, and how they look at other people and how they pray for other people. Um, but yet they have a comfortable environment to think about it, to talk about it. Uh, I guess that would be my, my biggest encouragement mm-hmm. in um, to other yeah. moms. I think it's important for our kids to know that, you know, we love them. We want to protect them um, and that mothers around the world love their kids and want to protect their kids. And something, sometimes, sometimes, you know, a child gets hurt, a child gets taken, a Mm -hmm. child, um, you know, something happens that's not good with it. And how bad does that hurt that mother? Um, those are real world, real time things for us as moms to think about and for our children to think about as well. Yeah, that's really good. We we want to equip, sometimes it's easy with our uncomfortablenesses, which I really respect about you saying, I really didn't know a lot and it was uncomfortable and I would have rather avoided the weightiness of this knowledge. Mm. But in your courage, you took in the information and you said to yourself, I'm imagining, I hope I'm not putting words in your mouth. I can't unknow this. Mm. I can't unknow this. What do I do with this? And that's really what happens is we can't unknow something. What do we do with it? And allowing our children to know the perils out there. Even though it feels maybe, you know, especially for younger children, sometimes we're like, I don't want to expose this to my kids, realizing that this is one of the most loving things you can do is to educate your kids about the the tricks and the traps and um, not to create fear in them, but mm. to create the ability to partner with you as you did, but also to be aware of what's happening even in their own world and friends. So yes, very, very Good. Yeah. You have been a delight. Do you have anything else you want to leave us with? Because you're just a wealth of wisdom and knowledge. And you're you're I you're my new friend, Holly. <laughs> if I ever if I ever find myself in East Tennessee, you better believe I'm coming to Gray, Tennessee. Gray, yes. Yeah, I'll just leave with this. Um I think that, you know, we're doing some things right now. We're, we're doing some things, but we can't stop right there. I think when we, and when we pass on these desires to help these desires to speak up for others, when we pass those on to our kids, then, then our hope is that our kids are also going to want to advocate for people to pray for people so that this, this passion won't stop with, with us. It will continue with our kids and with our kids' kids and on and on and on. And I just think that's important for us to kind of push this, I don't know if the right word would be legacy, but to push this opportunity on to our kids mm-hmm. for them to carry to carry the torch and um, for they to pass that torch onto their kids. So this uh, fight for freedom will continue um, from here on out. Well stated, Holly. 
Harris. God bless you. Thanks for being with me today. Thank you so much. Thanks for the opportunity. Yes. And until next time, Freedom Sisters and listeners, let's continue to do good by helping enslaved women and children do more than we ever thought physically possible and to do it together by connecting with women who have a heart for a hurting world. Thanks for spending time with me today. And until next time, Freedom Sisters, God bless. Thanks for listening to the Freedom Challenge online podcast. If you liked what you heard, join the fight to set women and children on a pathway to freedom across the globe. We are a proud ministry of Operation Mobilization USA and encourage you to learn more at thefreedomchallenge.com and omusa.org for how you can get involved. Follow us on Facebook, on Instagram at the FCUSA, and don't forget to subscribe and leave a review to let us know what you think. We'll see you next time.